Even the ancient rabbis way before the birth of Christ believed that Psalms 22 was about the Mashiach, the Messiah, right? And many today disagree with that, and it was changed. But most of the ancient rabbis believed this was speaking about the Messiah, as well as Isaiah 53. Well, you might be saying, well, show me proof of that. Well, you're going to see proof of that, I promise you, in this episode. And it's going to bring great value to you because you're going to understand who the true Messiah was. And it's going to bless you, I promise you that. It blessed me, and I've seen it work So here we go, guys. We're going to get into this Psalm 22. First thing I want to do is get into this timeline because we need to know when this thing was written. It's it's very important that we understand when it was written. So check this out. Here's the timeline. Okay, I like to do this, but like in the beginning, God, right? The first five books of the Bible in, in Genesis, it says in the beginning, God. And then in the end, God, he's in control of all this. He's not subject to time. Time is subject to him. So in the beginning, we saw Adam, Eve, Adam and Eve. Then we saw the flood later. Then we saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and then Moses right around, you know, 1400, somewhere in there. And then we saw Joshua. And then at 1000, we know this number, 1000 BC, remember BC means before Christ, we see David. And who wrote Psalm 22, you guys? Yes, David wrote Psalm 22. So we know that that's 1,000 years before the birth of Yeshua. 1,000 years. And back then, through all through here, the rabbis believed it was speaking about the Messiah. Isn't that awesome, you guys? It's amazing. So imagine it, guys. Just imagine you are there. It's 32 AD. Okay, this is what we did in our first episode. 32 AD, you went up to the temple, you want to worship God, you brought your lamb with you, this perfect lamb without blemish, it was approved. You heard some commotion over here in the Antonio Fortress area where Pontius Pilate was, and you saw your lamb being brought away to the slaughter. The priest told you, I see no fault in him, I find no fault in this lamb, it's a lamb without blemish. At the same time, you hear them yelling, crucify him, crucify him over here. And then you hear Pontius Pilate's voice say, but I find no fault in him. Oh, and something hits you like, what's going on? Then later on that same day, that same day, it was a beautiful day. But then later on, darkness fell upon the land. All in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, everywhere, up on the hill of Golgotha, it was dark, very dark. And lots of scriptures record that during the last three hours of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, an eerie darkness struck the land. And it was recorded, you guys. It It was a darkness so thick, some people said that you could feel it, some of the historians. It was written down and recorded by historians that weren't even Christians. So this is an amazing thing. So the darkness is documented by gospel writers Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it was also documented, confirmed by three extra-biblical historians, Thallus, uh, Phlygion, and Africanus. They recorded this darkness around the time of Jesus' death. And Jesus cried out on that cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he cry that out? Being the rabbi that he was, he was taking everyone to Psalm 20. Too, because that's how it starts. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Suddenly it was light. 
Light filled the land like the dawning of a new day. And we know that that psalm starts, it's called the dawn. That's how it started. And then, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Yeshua the Great, I like to call him that. It wasn't Herod the Great or Alexander the Great. Those guys were a joke. It's Jesus the Great or Yeshua the Great, right? Well, he being the great rabbi that he was, took them all. Everyone on the scene, everyone in that place of the cross took them all to Psalm 22. Psalms 22. So here it is, guys. We're going to start verse 7. Last time we went through 1 through 6. You don't want to miss that episode. It was really good. Check it out because we went through that worm, which is called a tola. And that worm, you guys, is actually, it shows a picture of the cross because it sticks itself to the wood one time in its life to die, but it gives birth to its offspring. And it's stuck there for three days and it dies and it leaves this red crimson stain on that wood. But then after three days, it turns as white as snow. And that's not the only thing. It was used for the dye, the red dye in ancient Israel. In fact, God commanded Moses, use the tola to get this dye. They would grind him up. They'd dry him and grind him up, make this red powder, which made a red dye for the curtain, the red uh, parts of the curtain, the veil of the temple that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. Also for the red scarlet yarn that went on the scapegoat. There was so much connecting to the Messiah on this. It's amazing, you guys. All right, so now we're in verse 7. And it's prophetic, you guys. It's just like reading Isaiah 53. Let's go through it right now. So here it is, guys. All who see me jeer at me and they sneer and shake their heads. It's exactly what was going on. And last time we talked about this fictional character that we said was Ben. Here he is at the scene of the cross. He's standing there watching Psalm 22 play out. He had it memorized and here he is seeing it played out in real time right before his eyes. And he would have referenced this too, knowing the scriptures. Isaiah 53, verse 3, He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hid their faces, hide their faces, he was despised and he had, they had no regard. We, excuse me, had no regard for him. And I love how that was included. We had no regard for him because we all started out mocking and hating Jesus. Just like that one criminal, there was two criminals on the cross, right? One of them changes his heart. He start, they both started out mocking him, if you read Matthew carefully, but then he changes his mind and repents. That means that's the word for repentance, changing your mind, turning away from your sinful ways and turning to God. He turned his face to Jesus. The, the gospels say he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, as he was on that cross, he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said to him, I truly, truly, I say to you this day that you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. Wow. <laughs> What a lucky man, but that was right before he died. Not lucky. What a blessed man. He did the right thing. He believed God and was counted in his righteousness. Amazing stuff, guys. So let's continue on in the presentation. Psalm 22, verse 8. He committed himself to Adonai. That means the Lord, right? So let him rescue him, people were saying. They were mocking him here. Let him set him free if he takes such delight in him. Wow. Oh, 
Psalm 22, verse 9, but you are the one who took me from the womb. So David wrote this, and it was like he was looking through the eyes of Jesus and feeling his heart and his thoughts. And and perhaps Jesus thought this very thing as he was up on that cross. And that fictional character we were talking about, Ben, may have been looking up, thinking about this psalm as well. As Jesus looks down and sees his mother, Mary or Miriam, sees her down there looking up at him, weeping and crying, but you are the one who took me from the womb. And it continues, you made me trust when I was on my mother's breast. Perhaps Jesus was looking down at his mother Mary, at Miriam as she wept, as it felt like a sword was piercing her heart. And then here it set, it, we see the picture. This is from The Passion of Christ, one of the greatest movies on the crucifixion you can watch. And Mary was watching her son being crucified. And John was next to her, right by her side, the Apostle John. And it says, so when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, and that was a a term of like, ma'am, behold your son. And then he looked at John and his mother down there. He cared about his mother dearly, right? And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. In other words, he was helping and, and taking good care of Miriam, of Mary. Because Jesus loved his mother dearly. And that's recorded in John chapter 19, verse 25 and 26, if you'd like to look that up. Amazing stuff. And then Psalm 22 continues in verse 10. Since my birth, I've been thrown on you. You are my God from my mother's womb. In other words, what did Jesus call God all the time? Father. All the time, except for right here on the cross. This is the only time... Jesus stopped calling God his father because he would reference him as father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was one of the first statements from the cross. And then later he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because I believe that God turned his face from his son, Jesus, as all the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, were placed upon him. And that's when he cried out the, the very first part of that psalm. To bring everyone to it. Amazing stuff, you guys. And there he took care of his mother, made sure she was taken care of. He was concerned about other people. When he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do as they were nailing him to the cross. Who was he concerned about? Others. When he took care of his mother, he said, Behold your son to John and behold your mother. In other words, John, you take care of my mom. And then we looked at that thief on the cross, that the thief or the criminal on the cross who was going to die without salvation. He was going to go to hell, and Jesus was concerned about him. But that, that criminal looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you're in your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, Behold, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise this day. Amazing stuff, you guys. You could be in paradise this day, too, if you give your life to Jesus Christ. And you can do that, my friend. He is just a prayer away. In fact, you can do it right now, and this can become the greatest moment of your life. If you're in Israel, it's Yeshua Mashiach. 
That's Jesus the Messiah. And that's just in your Hebrew. He was the Messiah. He was the promised one. And he loves you and he's there for you right now. You may feel the Holy Spirit knocking right now on the door of your heart. He may be saying, let me in. He won't force his way in. God's a gentleman. He wants you to, to, to decide to believe. Like Abraham, right? He believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness. That could be you right now, my friend, because this world is a broken and messed up place. You don't have to look too far to see that. There's so much wrong with this world. And you're wrong and you're broken too if you don't have the Messiah in your heart. But you could receive him right now, then this could be the greatest moment in your life, my friend, as you become born again, a new creation made by God from the inside out, not not something exterior like religion trying to look good or trying to do good, but actually born again with this in the, in your spirit and God takes residence in you, residence in your heart. Would you like to do that? Just say this prayer after me. You're praying, you are praying to God. I'm just helping you lead you there, okay, my friend? If this speaks to your heart, if you'd like to turn from your sin, Turn from your ways and start to follow Yeshua Mashiach. Right now, you can do that. All right? Jesus Messiah. That's all it is in the Hebrew. All right. Pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. Please forgive me. I believe that Yeshua Mashiach is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And you raised him from the dead to life. And I want to come to him, want him to come into my heart and take control of my life. I want to trust in Yeshua as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name. Amen, my friend. Amen. My friend, if you're in Israel, go to the One for Israel ministry. They're very good. And there's also other ministries like it uh, where you can go and, and, and learn more and get fellowship with other believers. Um, and make sure you're going to a Bible-believing church. If you're in, in other places in Israel, go to a Bible-believing church. Get fellowship and pray every day and read your Bible every day, you guys. God bless you. God loves you. All right. And by the way, I did write this book right here, Tola uh, Shani. You can check it out on Amazon if you'd like, but it's all about that crimson worm of Psalm 22, verse 6. And it goes into other parts of Psalm 22 as well. All right, my friend. So don't forget to... Um, to subscribe as well you want to hit that button uh down below right there you want to hit subscribe and little bell you'll get all the alerts you won't miss anything it's free it doesn't cost you anything and if you hit that like button as well it also helps spread it um throughout uh the youtube and and it might reach more people for jesus that's what it's about right that's what we're here for to to reach out to jesus so god bless you guys and I will see you next time in episode three as we go through Psalm 22. And by the way, you might want to check these videos out. <laughs> There's two of them, but check this video out, this playlist, because you're going to get more about where Jesus is found in the Old Testament. All right. Love you guys. God bless.